0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about Jalen Horde and why he is not your average new kid on the block. And I'm also going to be talking about the Thunder finally getting represented in the NBA's weekly rookie ladder. So, just starting things out with Jalen Horde. This is a guy that I've talked about a ton with the OKC Blue, talked about him when he got signed on that two-way contract, and talked about him yesterday in his debut game, and I mentioned how he actually had some ties to Teo Maladone. Well, there's actually a lot more ties and connections that Jalen Horde has made in his professional career, so I kind of wanted to break it down for you guys. This is another one of these articles that I decided to bring onto the podcast because I find them pretty interesting. You can find all of my articles on kylesingler 4 mvpcom I know, I know, I need a new domain name, but I don't know what to call it. So we're just keeping it at that for the current moment. But as always, hit me up on Twitter if you got any suggestions. I will take them into account. But anyways, just looking at Jalen Horde... He was born in France, both of his parents played college basketball, his father actually played a few seasons professionally in France, so he did already have the ties to the game. His first real recollection of the sport and kind of intrigue with it came in 2009, the Western Conference Finals, if you guys do not remember that series, it was when Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers went up against the Carmelo Anthony-led Denver Nuggets. Very, very long time ago, but he said he kind of got infatuated. He got hooked into the game, and he was kind of up and running. And as soon as his interest in the sport kept going, so did his body, and so did his skills. He began playing pro at age 16. He was playing in France's third-tier league, really just Grouping full of teenagers, one of which was Teo Maladone, and it was with Centre Federal. I'm sorry if I might have butchered that a little bit, but that's where he started out. So, starting out in France's third tier league, he had Maladone, actually, a lot more, you know, NBA hopefuls and actual NBA players. Who were on this team as well of those prominent figures vincent poirier was on the thunder for like what a a week or two you had seco dumbayao he is on the detroit pistons right now in his second season and then you also have gonzaga standout joel ajayi on the roster so this was a pretty stacked team did not know this but yeah france they have some pretty good farm systems For their young athletes so he was on this team and when you know you got so many different young guys i believe the age kind of ranged from around 14 to 17 maladone was at the very bottom of that spectrum at 14 hordes about that upper to middle tier at age 16 but horde he got his time to shine on the floor maladone not as much horde in that season with Centre federal Ended up averaging 8 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. Playing just a little bit over 24 minutes in these games. And if you want to know Maladones, as I talked about, he really was just on the team as almost like a uh, a two-way, I guess, if that's how you want to translate it up to NBA levels. But he was hardly playing. He only played three times in the season, and he averaged 1.3 points, 0.7 rebounds, and 1.3 assists so he was just kind of there to take in his surroundings and get used to playing professional. so Horde with his time on the floor very impressive it was good enough for him to actually be on France's under 16 and under 17 world championship rosters absolutely crushed it there and because of that high school's and scouts were raving about Hordes. So he ended up going to North Carolina to play at Wesleyan Christian Academy and played two seasons there. Dominated his Kodak moment as a senior in high school it came against modern day. If you guys do not know, that team absolutely stacked. One of the biggest powerhouses in California basketball, really just high school basketball in general. This is a team that you know, whenever Chino Hills was at the top of its peak. You had all the ball brothers together. Modern Day was like their biggest game. You guys can search, I think it was 2016 or 2017 when the game happened. But there was like a sellout crowd to watch this Chino Hills Modern Day game. Chino Hills completely mopped modern day complete shocker though because the modern day team that horde played against actually had a whole collection of three and four stars i know spencer friedman was on that team i don't know if he's gonna make any impact at the nba level but he was a consensus four star whenever they competed so pretty tough matchup and despite that i mean he's still dominated he got the team to get a victory against modern day 82 to 73 And he scored 19 points, went 7 of 10 to really help them out. So he had a pretty decorated senior season just in general. And when it came time for him to make a decision for college, he had a ton of options. He was a top 30 player in the 2018 class. ESPN ranked him as a 5-star. If you go to other places such as 24-7 Sports, you might get him at a 4-star. But he was a blue-collar recruit heading into the decision desk and he ended up deciding to stay close to home played for Wake Forest for his loan season and he already entered there with an NBA body I mean he was already 6 foot 8 I think he was 195 so he really needed to bulk up with them but whenever he came in he was looking to be this star get a one and done year in and be set with a major payday at the next level so he ended up getting to Wake Forest did pretty well, he averaged 13 points, almost 8 rebounds in games, he was playing a ton, I'm talking like 30 minutes, but it just was not enough for him, come draft day, did not hear his name whatsoever, and he had to go get alternative routes, just as many other college standouts do, you know, whether it's going overseas, trying to work up in the G League, just finding any alternatives, and Jalen Hoard found his in the G League, that Portland Trailblazers gave him a phone call and he got a two-way contract with the team and if you guys know last season the Trailblazers they got Horde on a two-way contract but they weren't done there the second guy they got on a contract was Moses Brown so there was already a connection with those two Moses Brown hardly played with the Trailblazers Jalen Horde played a bit more but majority of his season was spent in the g-league and since portland doesn't really have a true like g-league affiliate near them in oregon they were actually playing with the texas legends so those two were dropped down really just a tandem they weren't starting for some reason even though they were putting up crazy numbers jalen horde was averaging 16.7 rebounds in these games And Moses Brown was averaging 14.4 points and 7.7 rebounds. That's a tandem that you will find in these starting groupings in the G League. And those are very good teams. And the fact that, what, at the time, they were a bunch of—I think Moses Brown would beat 20 and Horde was 21— Just a bunch of newcomers dominating the scene, but it just was not enough for them to get promoted up into the big leagues for that long, as I talked about. But yeah, they grew a really strong bond with each other, and it wasn't just those two. You also had Isaiah Roby, and it was only for a brief nine games, but that was still a connection. Horde even talked about it with the media when he was discussing kind of some of the teammates' on the thunder roster so those three were together for just a brief moment if you guys recall isaiah roby wasn't on the thunder all of last season he was with the dallas mavericks and for whatever reason they kind of got tired of him end up shipping roby off for justin Patton. and justin Patton, he didn't really pan out for them i know that there's some other kind of underlying reason why that deal was also made but from our standpoint Really, we just traded Justin Patton for Isaiah Roby, so it was kind of a home run. Once that deal was made, we had the rights, so if he was going to drop down to the G League, he was playing for the Oklahoma City Blue. He played a little bit there, but he was kind of recovering from an injury, so we didn't see a lot from him, but he still did have a little bit of ties with Jalen Horde, so that's already three players that we have talked about that Horde has been around, but this season, the list just continued to pile up and it's because since the Portland Trailblazers did not want to renew Jalen Horde's contract, he was up on the open market once again and Sam Presti made the initiative to snag him in December, got him on an Exhibit 10 deal to play for the Oklahoma City Blue and he was not alone. Moses Brown, two-way deal, so you get that partnership reunited but he also got to see another two-way player in Josh Hall and some of the Thunders' true 15-man rotation as they kind of developed in Orlando. So they get to the Orlando bubble in the month of February, and he was kind of just that fill-in guy. I talked about it in the last two podcasts, but really his role was just playing... Based around what alexei Pokashevsky was doing he didn't play in all the games sometimes he was kind of having stinky performances so he would kind of be the band-aid that would be applied by grant gibbs and he didn't have you know that star-studded role that maybe he had with the dallas legends he was kind of in the forefront of that bench unit with the okc blue he was the guy that you put in and he just grinds for you. He's not going to put up the amazing numbers. But it's because everything he does, he kind of creates by himself. There's nothing set in the game book, or the game plans, where you're trying to get Jalen Horde to score. He has to kind of improvise everywhere. Every time he goes in the basket, he had to improvise for that OKC blue team. So he was kind of just used, as I mentioned, as like a spot-up guy for guards. You had Poku, who was you know actually running pick and roll offense at times moses brown was setting a lot of those screens and you had ty jerome working out there as well also xavier simpson but xavier simpson is not currently with the oklahoma city thunder so you already had three guys in that system you were working with and he was just a kickout guy so if he was open at a corner he'd get it he'd shoot it wasn't very good at shooting though shot 22 percent so when he got the ball he would try to attack use that six foot eight frame to create contact get an easy layup or get to the foul line did that pretty well and then defensively since there was no set position for him he oftentimes was playing at the four whenever poku was down or poku or whoever it may be, was not able to play all these minutes. So he took time there, but he also played at the three as well. So he was playing at his natural position, three, uh, guarding, you know, some of those more athletic guys. And then at the four, he'd go up against players much bigger than him. Horde is only 218 pounds. When you're looking at some of those G League guys, you're looking at players like Omari Spellman. If you remember him, I think he played for the Hawks. For a brief moment of time, that guy is gigantic. Like that that's a kind of player that Horde was going up against probably one out of two or three games, and he played all 15 contests. So he was kind of just thrusted into some weird situations, and he made the best of it. I think defensively he was really making some good strides. He never seemed to be like a sore thumb or anything. He always blended very nicely. And you know, you don't always have to steal the show playing defense. I think as long as people are not complaining about you, you are doing a spectacular job because everybody just loves to dissect defense. Every single play someone messes up on, they're going to give you just an earful for the next 10 minutes. I don't recall any moment where Jalen Horde was kind of in that conversation. He always seemed to be that perfect glue guy. That's something that the Oklahoma City Thunder could need. And it's no surprise why they picked him. I mean, as I said, he already had three players before he even came into Orlando, and then with Orlando, you got Brown again, you had Ty Jerome, you had Pogaszewski, and Josh Hall was in the Orlando bubble too. Hall only played one game for I think 15 minutes, but he was still around the team. He was actively with them as he was rehabbing By the end of it whenever everybody kind of started getting recalled josh hall was kind of thrown into that mix as well because they just wanted him to rehab in oklahoma city when they figured out he wasn't going to be able to play in any of the games but he still had those bonds so those are six different players Jalen horde has had prior connections to before even suiting up for the oklahoma city thunder and if you want me to repeat those names again He met Teo when he was 16 years old. He was actually invited to his house once, by the way. That's a fun fact. Whenever he was in the G League with the Dallas Legends, he was with Moses Brown and Isaiah Roby. And then with the OKC Blue, he was with Josh Hall, Poku, and Ty Jerome. So pretty crazy list. I don't remember an occurrence like this ever to be quite honest with you, especially with a guy who is only 22 years old, turned 22 like last week, so he's pretty much 21 as um as I'm talking about, you know, his career. So it's pretty wild that he already has all these connections, and you know, with the game that he ended up playing on Monday, he's played with all of them now, or at least a, a better portion, because you still have those six players on that injury list. But he felt right into the category seamless fit when you can play at two positions under mark dagnault kind of giving you what isaiah roby has done different play style but i'd say a similar fashion of how he was used just that plug and play at the three and four whenever roby comes back that role might be taken away from him we'll see but at least that's how I kind of compared it to gave you the stat line from last game he had 10 points six rebounds four of those came on the offensive end so he is not afraid to get down low and honestly before that game I didn't even see Jalen Horde is that good of a rebounder it just kind of tells you how much potential that he has I mean he was kind of just used in a like petri dish as a blue player like he was kind of just speckled in like he was not able to really grow all the way yet they were just kind of experimenting with him and i think under mark dagnault you're still gonna kind of see that where he's gonna try to look to pick at certain spots but i think the development is going to be much bigger i mean you're definitely trying to test every single facet of all these different guys when you have a two-way player looking to prove himself for another contract of course you want to see how he works i think the three-point shot is definitely not going to be his forte at least right now but everywhere else there's a lot of potential for him to start budding out i think him as a ball handler he's not going to be your elite guy but if you get him in a situation where let's say he does have a power forward on him he can try to size him up make a little bit of moves, and then go inside to try to create contact. He has been known to posterize people, did it in the bubble multiple different times. I don't think that would change whenever he's playing with the OKC Thunder, especially if he's going up against bench units, which that's probably most likely going to be the case for him. I think still with him on defense, I do want to see him tested at both positions and see if he still is able to hold up and just see how he's able to react under the glass and even distributing. So I guess if I were to compare him to anyone on our roster right now, maybe like try to see if you can use him like a Darius Baisley almost in how he's been used to drive and dish. Baisley's definitely a little bit more crafty with the basketball. Right now, I'd say he's more fluid there. I think when it comes to finishing, he also does have more moves. He's been really good at like sidestepping and euro stepping defenders while he's getting into the lane but a little bit strong on layups but he's had the moves i don't know if jalen horde really has had that we have not seen any crazy things from him at least not in orlando maybe with wake forest in his time during france and then also with the dallas legends but i guess that's something you could try to see him work on but yeah i mean he's not gonna be your catch and shoot player just everywhere else I think he has a chance to grow and that's a perfect reason why you would put him with your second two-way spot so I love it you know even when you read more into the details I think it's a lot easier to kind of understand the move with Jalen Horde really good fit he already has the connections already fits into the system as I've talked about with how he plays and how the current team has been playing so Good pickup and hey I mean honestly I learned some new things because I never knew he had any sort of contact with Isaiah Roby prior to making his Thunder debut. I I thought that Isaiah Roby didn't even play uh, in that G League team to be honest with you. I thought he was just kind of rehabbing with the Mavs but that was not the case so that's pretty cool. But moving on to the second story of the day it's coming from the nba website they always release rookie ladders i think you all know just weekly always send out kind of just the rankings top 10 rookies in the league tell you how they're doing on the season how they've looked in the past week and kind of just some keynotes on what they've seen just in evaluating them in the past week so it's always pretty cool i remember reading these like a long long time ago very fun to kind of just check up on the rookies really helps give you a gauge on just the league as a whole you know i used to just get stuck up on the thunder team but it's also really cool to just see what other talent is kind of blossoming in the league see what role players are kind of turning the corner in their careers but yeah i mean been loving it i tried figuring out when the first rendition of the rookie ladder got pushed out but the nba website just straight up is trying to hide everything before 2018 so the earliest rookie ladder i've been able to access is from 2013 or 2018 what am i saying but there is still evidence backing you know some of the older guys on our roster who have been on this list and it's been pretty decorated because of how much homegrown talent we've had over the years so you got guys like kd russ james harden those are obvious steven adams apparently was on this list too he was number nine at some point in his rookie campaign don't know if he ever broke the seal of like top five but he was pretty good so always been something we've been great at just developing young prospects and i think with this season They've definitely done that. I think it's been two home runs with Teo Maladone and Alexei Pokoshevsky, but they have just not received the national attention that they deserve. I know that they're just rookies and the numbers don't pop off, but they definitely deserve to be on this ladder for a while. And it's great to see in this week's take of the rookie ladder, we've finally seen a Thunder player grace this article. And I think there's a real case for both of them to be on this list, but they actually only put Teo Maladone on the list, and it's wild where they put him. They put him in a two-way tie for 10th place. He's tied with Chuma Okiki of the Orlando Magic, got picked last season, did not play, so this is technically his first year. He had a really good week, he averaged over 15 points, all that, but he hasn't been too consistent with you know, the whole season, I mean, with the magic, he didn't have a shot until after the trade deadline, whenever they tore everything down, Aaron Gordon's gone, Vucevic is gone, Okiki's a power forward slash center, he fills in, Mo Bamba's been playing more too because of it as well, so he finally just got his shot, and he's already on the board, Maladone has been playing at a very high level for months, and he's finally on, Over the season right now, he's almost been averaging double digits. He's averaged 9.4 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 3.3 assists across 44 games. That's 44 out of 50, and he started in 28 of them. So he's been all over the place, and this last week, there was no room for voters not to put him on the board somewhere he averaged 15.8 points last week, that was the second highest on the list for the week, had 5.2 rebounds, and he also had 2.4 assists in 27 minutes. Last week was highlighted by the Phoenix Suns game, you all remember, dropped 33 points on 10 of 18 shooting, highest By a rookie last week, and he almost broke Thunder history. Russell Westbrook ended up scoring 34 points as a rookie. Maladone drops 33, just one off from tying, two away from stealing the record. So, on the brink of history, definitely helped his case for the week. You know, he was shooting a ton in a lot of these games so I guess the field goal percentage might be a bit of a turnoff but when you look at the numbers on paper he was killing it especially when you look at some of the names ahead of him like they were not having the strongest of weeks anyways so finally he's getting the recognition very well deserved on his part and when you look at the names that he was kind of associated with he was one of four guards to make the list Tyrese Halliburton was the number one point guard He ranked in at number two. He was actually the number one spot in last week's. I guess he kind of dropped off a little bit. You also had Emmanuel quickly for the Knicks at number five. And at number six, you had LaMelo ball. Very dumb, in my opinion, why LaMelo would keep sliding. You know, you got ESPN's top 25 players under 25. You have him at three. And you're gonna put him at six right here like it just doesn't really correlate i know that there's different people kind of voting on that and chipping in and and Lamelo's injured so i guess that matters too but i mean come on lamello ball averaging almost 16 points six rebounds and six assists no one else is even gracing that kind of average i think the only guy who could even compete right now is anthony edwards but he's only winning in the point category nowhere else so it's a little disrespectful to put him at six. I know there's more people rising and with him out the rest of the year, he might just be at the bottom of the list come you know April and May and all that. We're already in April, but um at the end of the season, he may not be even up there as stupid as that sounds. But yeah. If you want to know the full list, Anthony Edwards was number one, Halliburton was number two, Jay Sean Tate was number three at number four he had sadiq bay we saw him go off against us in our last game emmanuel quickly lamello desmond bain for the memphis grizzlies james wiseman was at eight patrick williams was at 10 and then as i mentioned okiki and maladone shared the number 10 spot so he's in pretty good company you know using my recency bias and just overall bias I'd probably put Maladone over Okiki, probably over Williams, based on how James Wiseman is doing right now. Let's put him over him, and Desmond Bain, probably around that same level. Bain's averaging 9.4 points, 3 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. Also, crazy shooting from 3. I know he's shooting over 40%, it might be closer to 45 though, so he's very good at what he does as a sharpshooter but definitely underrated he's been that way all year long and there's another guy who has been criminally underrated in Alexei Pogoshevsky and I know with Poku it's a bit different because he was in Orlando before playing in the bubble he did not look like an NBA player most of the time he looks just so raw in Orlando he got to really break out of his shell and he's just looked super collected with the team as of right now so he didn't have that whole resume maladone entered the list with right now but currently you know he might be the best thunder player on the roster at least in this past week he definitely has in the last four games he averaged 21 points 4.3 rebounds 2.5 assists and one block while shooting 39 percent from three and 41 percent overall as y'all have watched he definitely has looked like a top 10 rookie in these last couple games he's looked so good to the fact that there is a serious conversation on whether or not he should be starting over Darius Baisley when he comes back or come next season that might be something I do a podcast in maybe in a couple days if you guys are interested but we will see about that point being he's just really just brought up his stock and because of that you'd kind of imagine he'd be on the list right now but i guess not and you know you know how these uh like larger companies work like espn i don't know if nba is like this but they really love feeding into narratives like they'll just intentionally lowball people on lists to get a lot of publicity headed their way really smart of them to do that but you'd think with poku just being in the news lately like he has just been so marketable based on the shacked in the fool plays the um like the plays he was doing in the bubble just like the the crazy straight ball moves street ball moves that he pulls off in games and then on top of that you got the fanny pack question he got from brandon Rabar a couple days ago you know where there were memes floating around like him as a guy who can score twenty get your rebounds and then install windows on your computer in 48 minutes like just that that kind of crazy stuff you'd think that he would have the recognition already so you might as well put him on the board no better week to do that than right now this is the best week he's had as an NBA player but they wanted to leave him off the list so a little bit wild I I feel like that in a list like this you would almost just move people up based on trends And if you're going to do it with Okiki, who has not been playing outside of like the past week, Poku probably deserves to be there. Maybe even over Okiki due to the point column, but it's just wild. You know, I'm not going to really read much into it because if Poku keeps playing like this, he's going to get on that board. And honestly, with him outside of the board, you know, that's just more recognition we can kind of cherish to ourselves because there's not a lot of guys. Kind of breaking out nationally. SGA kind of was, but um he's kind of injured right now. So I feel like we just have a lot of gyms that are our little prize possession secrets. And Maladon and Poku have definitely been that as of right now. So, you know, we'll see kind of how he progresses. He's going to have more time. Same with Teo. There's going to be a four game week upcoming starting tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. They're going to be starting. Everybody's injured, so that just means more minutes for the young guys so they're going to have more chances to prove themselves and i think if there's any two guys two rookies that can just jolt up on the boards right now it's going to be those two just based on the situation and kind of what mark dagnault has dished out to them as roles which is just go out there and let's play some basketball so i totally love it they're going to have a major chance against the charlotte hornets and just going on throughout the week But when we look towards just playing tonight, I talked about it yesterday, there are going to be a pretty big load of players out for the game. SGA, Baisley, Roby, Dort, all out. Muscala's out and so is Josh Hall. So you still have six players out of the rotation and you have Al Horford if you want to add that on to make it seven. So you're still looking at just a lot of young pieces just going up against a Hornets team that really does not have all that big of ammunition right now. With Hayward out, with LaMelo out, pretty good, but they still have some pretty good veterans on their side to help out. They had Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham playing in this game. They were major in the season opener for the Thunder. Came down to an SGA buzzer beater if you guys remember that and you have Mikael Bridges who was the reason that situation even kind of occurred because of what he did in the final minute or so just getting steal after steal getting bucket after bucket but those three are going to be there you got Cody Zeller back we did not see him in the first game and we're just going to see a lot more of the younger guys playing for them as well so I said it yesterday, you know, I keep saying, you know, I'm talking about what I said yesterday, I pretty much did cover the preview, but, you know, I still want to address it today, like, this is going to be a game where it's a perfect situation for us, especially with Horde and Justin Robinson coming in, we need a game to kind of play someone stuck in a state of pandemonium just like us, and I don't think there's a team that really is on that same level I'd probably say maybe the Houston Rockets whenever they were in that 20 game losing streak they're out of it now but you know we're in a weird spot where we just don't have like a real rotation like this is kind of almost a new team compared to the game we played against the Hornets you know in December and just a you know before the all-star break this is a completely different team and how we've just been utilizing players so we're coming into this really with no 100% direction. Like there's always going to be one dude kind of breaking out in the point category. And for the Hornets, it's not to that degree because I still do think they have some of their strongholds in guys like Graham and Rogier to hold things down. But I'd probably bargain that Ball and Gordon Hayward were their top two players. So you take them out. It really does help even the playing level just a little bit. You still give the Hornets the upper advantage. And when the Thunder have been losing by like 33 points on average, I think it might be higher than that in our last three games. You know, if you're going to Vegas, you're probably going to go bet for the Charlotte Hornets. But I think it's a much better testing game than um, some of these other ones. I think Detroit was another one of these testing games but with me pulling out of my bag of excuses, they didn't really have any real injuries that they had to adapt to. They were just running the same lineup as always, sprinkle in some G League players in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of already set in stone. But with the Hornets team, I mean, they're checking in this game. They're tipping off with no real leader right now. Like they do already have some reliable pieces, but they're going to need to figure things out on the fly. I don't think the teams that we have faced you know, until now have been in that spot, kind of similar to ours. So it's pretty fair to watch. This is going to be a good game. Highly advise you guys check this game out. I will make sure to cover the game recap tomorrow on it and keep you all up to date on what is going on with the team. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.